This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent. We be Jim Jonathan. The French accent, and you stay for the principles. And we've got a jam-packed show for you today. But I want to start today's show by talking to you about one of the bigger stories that's been taking part in your culture. It's not really political, even though there is political people involved in it. But it's absolutely critical to understand what's happening and why it's happening. And it boils down to understanding the basic philosophy of people involved. The story I'm talking about, of course, is uh, our favorite congresswoman from New York. Uh, what's her name? AOC? Uh, Alexander or something? Cortez? I don't know. I don't follow your politics so soon. AOC! It's all cool and hip, right? So AOC was in the media, and uh, she went on social media, and she posted the following tweets. Just over a week ago, my Abula fell ill. I went to Puerto Rico to see her, my first time in a year, and because of COVID. This is her home. Hurricane Maria relief hasn't arrived. Trump blocked relief money for PR. People have been forced to flee ancestral homes, and developers are taking them. Oh, my God. So we already here have a clear narrative. We have a victim. We have a, a, a miscarriage of justice, so to speak. So what happens? Well, a lot of people talked about it and there was a lot of politics back and forth. You know, Donald Trump's people came and said, this is nothing to do with Donald Trump. You know, usual stuff that you see on Twitter, you know, whether it's true, some of it's true, some of it's not true. Some of it's baloney, just made up, you know, revisionist stuff. A lot of it's just, oh, I'm going to jump on you. You're a Democrat. You suck. And, oh, you're a Republican. You're a Nazi. You suck. But Matt Watts stepped up. He's, he used to be work with The Blaze. He's a commentator now for The Daily Wire. And he said, you know what? First of all, he shamed her. said, you know what? You're a congresswoman. Look how much money you were. You can't help her. But then fair play to Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh stepped up and he organized the GoFundMe. And the GoFundMe raised $104,000. And I, I just want to straight this for anyone who's listening who isn't following this story. Matt Walsh didn't raise this from, you know, he wasn't going to Hillary Clinton and he wasn't going to, you know, Bernie Sanders and he wasn't going to Joe Biden going, hey, we have this GoFundMe, will you please donate? No, it was a lot of evil, evil, racist, sexist, Islamophobia, uh, fat phobia, every phobia under the sun that you want to think about. All those people, you know, the people who cling to their guns and their Bibles, if I may quote your former president. But he raised $104,000. But then because GoFundMe is a, a, a fundraising platform, when you raise money for other people, which you're fully legally entitled to do, if that person if finds out about it, let's say you decided to, you know, use me as an example, you decide to do a GoFundMe for me to do something. And I'm like, hey, I have nothing to do with that. That's not me. I can go to GoFundMe and say, hey, there's this GoFundMe. It's setting up money for me. I'm not taking it. I don't want it. And then GoFundMe will close down the GoFundMe page and refund anyone who's donated to us. So this is the story, very simple story, and there's been outrage. A lot of people were unhappy because what AOC and her family did, now, as I, from what I'm aware, no one has taken credit of who actually sent GoFundMe the email, but they've made clear that, listen, we won't be accepting this money, whether it was AOC, whether it was her grandmother, whether it was someone in between, it was clear they're not taking it. So the GoFundMe got shut down. 
And there's been a lot of talk about this in conservative media and on mainstream media. You know, what? why didn't she take it? Let's take a step back and understand the philosophies of why this did not happen. And there are two main reasons for this. One is because of the culture you live in right now. One is because you are very tribal right now. You're broken down into, for the media's sake, and I always stress this, the media and the politicians want to break you down into two sides. They want to share this narrative that the right are sexist, bigots, racist, homophobic, Islamophobic, every phobic under the sun. But likewise, the left are painted as everyone is a lefty loon, is a communist, is a, is a socialist, because that seems to be a buzzword more than communism. Socialism seems to be the big, oh my God, we can't get, you know, America can never be a socialist nation. That's really popular. If you, if you poll, look at the poll testing data on the right, socialism is one of the key words you use. When you have a tribal situation, now, I'm not, I speak out about tribalism and people always slam me and kind of go, oh, you're unrealistic. This is the world we live in. I fully get being more comfortable hanging around with people who have, you know, common values. With you. I've never dismissed that. You know, like I have friends on all sides of the aisle, but the people I'm more close to, the people I have more engagement with are more freedom loving people who don't get caught up in the political baloney, don't, you know, are very much more into, this is why America is an exceptional nation. You know, they kind of see, we have a similar worldview. We have a similar outlook. The people I'm generally closest to generally are also Christians. And some are Jewish, but, you know, there's generally a theme there. I have no problem in understanding that there is a basic bit of tribalism in all of us where we like to see people. And by the way, this also magnifies out in the human experience to you know, places that you wouldn't anticipate. And I always use this as an example. If you imagine wherever you're listening right now in America, you know, what are you listening in Florida or Texas or New York, and you're walking down the street and all of a sudden this American comes up to you and says, you know what? I've just come from this restaurant around the corner. Oh my God, I had the most succulent, beautiful, juicy steak. It was cooked to perfection. It was a great deal. I highly recommend you to try it. You gonna try it? No. You don't know this person. You'd be like, okay, good for you, pal. That's a really, you know, I'm glad you had a great state. No, I'm going on my business. You take the exact same scenario where imagine you're in Ireland and you're walking down. All of a sudden, you're, you know, you're talking to your boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, kids, and they hear, oh, there's an American accent. And they come up and talk to you. go, hey, I'm from New York. Oh, where are you from? I'm from Texas. You know, I've just been around this Irish pub around here. They gave me the most greatest, juiciest, gorgeous steak, great value, cooked to perfection, great atmosphere. Highly recommend you go. You're going to be more open to that advice? Of course you are. Why? Because it's some type of tribalism. You have some kind of common ground. You're not just an American, an American in America. You're an American and another American in Ireland filled with Irish people. I know, heaven forbid, that's such a horrific talk. But you have this. We all have common interests. But when you take tribalism, which you always will have to some extent, but you put it on steroids, which is what you're on right now, you literally are to a point where the app, the opposition is no longer just the opposition. You no longer have an opinion which is just wrong. It could be flawed. It could be misguided. It could be based on lies. But it's now you're the enemy. Now, put yourself in the same scenario. Imagine your house is in disrepair. All right? 
You needed something done. Your roof was leaking. You needed power. Your electricity was cut off. It doesn't have to be something huge, something small. And Hillary Clinton rocks right up to you and says, you know, I, I, I'm in town visiting, you know, for, I don't know, and I'm giving a, you know, a million dollar speech to, you know, Citibank. Because that's what Hillary Clinton does. And Bill isn't far behind her because, you know, he's going to make his speeches. And they go, you know, I was talking to someone and I said, I'm to hear, you know, you were getting cut off and your power has been cut off. Here you go. Here's a thousand dollars to reconnect your bill. And here's another thousand dollars just to, you know, get you through your tough spot. And it's signed Hillary Clinton, the Clinton Foundation. Are you taking that check? Are you cashing that check? Or is there at least some part of you that's going to go, no way am I taking money from Hillary Clinton? Now, I use her because she's always a good person to use as an example for people on the right who hate her. But you've got to understand that even that isn't a, you know, an accurate description, especially with the likes of AOC. Because you see, what it is equivalent of is not Hillary Clinton writing you a check. What's the equivalent of is a Jewish person taking that check from Adolf Hitler. That is the point you're at. That's what's happening. When you have that understanding, like if you were a Jewish person, would you take a check from Adolf Hitler or Adolf Hitler's family, you know, to pay for your gas after everything he did? A lot of people would say, hell no. Well, that's what's happening when you have this much tribalism, that you have that literally every, the other side is the enemy. They are literally the scourge of society. Now, even if AOC doesn't believe this, this is what the rhetoric is. Now, do you think if she had actually allowed her grandmother to take this money and it got out, do you think she would have lost credibility or gained credibility with her followers? This is all a political game. And that's what's happening. But also, you have to understand that this is only on the surface. You have to understand the philosophical differences between the two sides. Because the philosophical differences is how we see government. You see, if you believe, as I believe, in the founding principles of America, you clearly understand America is an exceptional nation because of your Declaration of Independence, because of your Constitution, because of your Bill of Rights. But enshrined in all of those documents, in all of those principles, is the simple understanding of the role of government, that the role of government is fundamentally different there than every other nation in the history of the world. Why is that? Because government's job is not to be your nanny. Government's job is not to take care of absolutely every part of society. Government's job is not to fulfill every need that you see fit. Government's job is not to fulfill the will of the people. Government's job is not to do everything the people say. The government's job in America under the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence is that you are a free, sovereign being. You are an individual. You are sovereign. And that the government's job is not to give you rights or to take your rights away. It is to protect your rights. That is the fundamental role of your government. Why is this so critical to understand? You see, as someone who lives in a quote-unquote socialist nation, I've seen this argument play out time and time and time again. I've seen it happen in petty instances, and I've seen it happen in big instances. Let me give you a few of those. Petty instances. So over in Ireland, we're, we have a different street layout to you all over there, you know, when it comes to our houses. You know, if you imagine 
in America, you know, the a lot of houses, you know, have a driveway and they have a bit of grass up front and then you have your house and then you have a bit of grass at the back. And it's all, you know, kind of lined up, you know, one by one by one by one. These are the, the houses. Well, in Ireland, what we have is you have all of that, but in a much smaller scale, because our houses are nowhere near as big as they are in America. But on the front of the house, there is a footpath and it's run by the city council. And every so often, every couple of houses along these footpaths, there is a piece of grass and usually a tree. That is run and maintained and owned by the government. Your property stops at your gate, but on the footpath, there's general stuff that is run, that is not part of your house, that is owned by the government or in a lot of cases, the city council. And the city council's job is to maintain that. What I've seen happen, and I've seen it time and time again, is where people who are very active and like gardening will actually go and mow the grass outside in the general area. And they will get frowned upon by their neighbours. It's happened time and time again. I've seen it. I've seen it happen to countless different people. Why is that? Why are they frowned upon? Well, first of all, I'd say this part of it is that they're making the other person look bad. You know, if, you, if you're out there mowing your lawn, that's not yours. And you don't do it, you know, you kind of look inferior to that person. But also the argument is always, guys, then, you're doing the government's job. You're taking a job away from a citizen. You're taking their income. And then also, because you're taking their income, you're also taking the tax revenue that you would pay to the government. You're taking their job. It is not your job to do the government's job. That is why we pay taxes. This is a common argument that you see. Now, that's Ireland. Go back, let's go back to AOC. You see, AOC, if you listen to her, which, God almighty, it's painful. I do this as little as possible. And I highly recommend you do the same. Listen to that girl as little as possible because... You know what? To show you how bad she is, I actually think I prefer to listen to Joe Biden. I think I understand more of what Joe Biden says than what she says. And that shows you how bad she is. But going back to her philosophy, her philosophy is government should do everything. Government should be the savior. Government is, you know, if we have a situation like this storm, it is government's job to step up. It is government's job to step up. Why haven't they done it? And then you want to come along with your $104,000 that's raised by private money? And you want to do government's job? Why in the world would I accept that? Because what you're doing, if you accept that $104,000 from a philosophical point of view, is you're admitting that the private person can do something the government cannot. And this is the boil and the crux of the matter. The government is everything to these people. The government can never, ever be overshone. Government is like their God. Government is their God. And if you have a situation where the government is everything, and then you all of a sudden do better than it, then you're showing up government's failures, inadequacies. And that isn't good. Government does not like competition. But also it goes one step further than that. Because I've heard this argument as well is, now I've never seen anyone raise $104,000, but the principle and the philosophy is the same. 
Well, imagine AOC had taken that $104,000 and she had fixed up her house. And let's say, I don't know what the damage was and what it would cost in Puerto Rico. But let's say, imagine it cost $50,000. And let's say she was a really generous person. You know what? I've gotten this money from the American people. You know, I get, I fixed up myself and my house is now perfect. I have a duty to help other people. And let's say her next door neighbor had the exact same damage, exact same bill. And she gave her $50,000 and their houses will be done. Instead of actually looking at it going, wow, look at what the American people have done. They are incredible. They're charitable. They're good. They're decent. That they have helped out my grandmother, but also her neighbor because of her charity. No, they would look at it through the frame of, well, okay, so two people have been fixed. There's still an underlying problem. By accepting that money, have you made the underlying problem go away or have you made it worse? Again, government is God to these people. You have made the underlying problem worse because government has now been told, well, we don't need you. And especially in a, in a territory like Puerto Rico, well, we don't need the government. We've got private people. You can't have that the thing you need to understand about the far left and people like AOC is government is always at the center of everything. And government must never be looked at bad. And anytime there is bad that you can use, especially because the funny thing about the left is they always make government look bad in certain instances. If Donald Trump is running government, oh, it's the worst thing since sliced bread. We need to run it. We need to do it right. But when it's them in power, they need to run government. They need no competition. They just want to control everything. And accepting this money would have made the problem worse. Not, that's not my opinion. That's their opinion. The reason I'm sharing this is we need to start having conversations with people and understanding their philosophy. Because right now I see it, and I see it so much on social media, and I take my, I don't, I'm not active on that as much as I used to be. But I see all this stuff, and it's just everyone throwing rockets at each other. And everyone going through the political spin. And not actually understanding the philosophical difference between us. Because here's the thing. We can always talk about the surface level. Look at all the commentary out there on left and right. How much of it is just surface? How much of it is just, let's just deal with the surface issue. Oh, my God, AOC, Matt Walsh. He, you know, she was giving out about Trump and he raised $104,000 and she didn't accept it. And we just deal with it. And then we have our six minutes on the news or eight minute segment. And we have people, we interview people. Hey, AOC was right. AOC was wrong. And, you know, you decide, quote, unquote. And then that's all we get. How many times do you see actually people, and there are some people who do this. I include myself in those who will actually take an issue like this and take the time out to understand the underlying philosophy and where we disagree. The big thing in this story is how we see government. That is the biggest difference. And until you start having that conversation and explaining the differences in how you see government, you will never, ever sort out these problems. things I want to do for the kind of the rest of today's show is I want to talk to you about issues outside of America. And the reason I want to do that is because 
because to be honest, a lot of you are quite tribal. And when I talk about you know my friends on the right and I use stories and I, if I could use examples, you know, people would automatically defend them. Oh, there I know I like, you know, the Daily Wire. I like the Blaze. I like this. And then it's very hard to get objective. So one of the things I want to do is share a couple of stories with you from issues that are happening around the world and explain what's going on. Because one of the things that's frustrating to me is your media and your politicians are playing your people. This is one of the reasons I'm not on any side. You know, are you a Republican? Are you a conservative? Are you a right winger? I'm not on none of the sides. I am on the side of freedom. I am on the side of principles. I am on the side on your constitution. I don't believe in this side stuff. If we agree on some principles or all principles or no principles, I'm not your enemy, but I'm going to make the case for limited government. But one of the things the government and the media do especially is they dry up all these, you know, differences. Oh, my God. Did, you know, have you seen what AOC said? Oh, my God. The left are crazy. And there's never really much accountability to their own side. The left do the exact same thing to a bigger degree. You know, as bad as the, in some parts, the right media is. The left are a hell of a lot worse because of their intensity, their, their, their hypocritical standards, and the amount of nation networks they have, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CNN, Brian Stelter, all these different people. So I want to take a story from the UK that's happening right now to give you proof of why the media and how the media spin you and get you all wound up and get you all afraid for your lives on an issue that should not be dealt with right now. And what I'd ask you to do is listen to the principles of this story. And then look at what you're seeing in your media. Look at what you're seeing. Even people that you like, are they doing this? So right now, the big story around the world, and it's coming less of a story because the numbers are going down, but coronavirus, we've all been affected by this. We've all had lockdowns of some description. Ireland is, you know, thank God, it's starting to open up slowly. Gyms came back this week, which was fantastic news for me. I just been so great to get back training in a gym so it's my safe space in the uk it's the exact same thing and one of the things they did was kind of like you know you know joe biden you know july 4th independence day we're you know we want to have this target and you know then we can get life back to somewhat normal well boris johnson who's the prime minister of england did something similar several months ago he kind of went we're going to have phase one and phase two and we're going to ease the restrictions in and the last set of restrictions pretty much ends, supposedly, on June 21st. It's called Freedom Day. Don't we just love it? I love how we call things like this Freedom Day. It's been called Freedom Day by everyone in the UK. Freedom Day. Let's all get celebrated. Even though they were your freedoms to start with and the government has gotten involved and all of a sudden now the government is saying, yeah, we don't want to tell you how to live in certain circumstances anymore. And we call this Freedom Day. Kind of been a... You know, we need to rethink the, the meaning of certain words. But to give you this story of what's happening is we have this Freedom Day. And right now, cases in the UK are starting to go up and they're spiking quite dramatically. They're spiking by 40, 50, 60, 70 percent. Hospitalizations are starting to go up. So we have constant fear. Now, everyone is talking about the article is 
will Freedom Day on June 21st go ahead? Bearing in mind that the decision will be made on June 14th by the Prime Minister. They will announce that they will look at, they've said they'll look at the numbers, we'll look at the data, we'll look at the science, quote unquote, and we will decide if Freedom Day gets to go ahead or if we have to delay. Now, that's in a normal world would be the story, right? Freedom Day at risk, okay. We'll decide on June 14th. End of story, right? Nope. What we have, and we have had over here, sorry, not over here, I'm not, I'm not living in England, thank God. But over in England, I've seen constant stories for the last three weeks. <gasps> oh my God, cases are 20%. Oh my God, have you seen this? Oh, it's the Indian variant, which on a sidebar, it's lovely how Donald Trump is not in office and we all of a sudden can call things by their name again. Remember, it was <gasps> the Wu flu. Oh my God, you racist. Oh, Donald Trump is the worst man since sliced bread. Now we've had the Indian variant, we have the Nepalese variant, we have the Brazilian variant, we have all these variants, and it's not racist at all, folks. It's amazing how that happens, right? But you have all this, this fear. Oh, cases are up 40%. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, be afraid. Oh, there's no way Boris Johnson can, could look into 14th and not delay Freedom Day. I think we should delay it by a month. And then someone else gets on board. No, look, you know, he's right. You know, that, that professor is right. Yes, we should be afraid. There's no way Boris Johnson could do it. But we need to delay it two weeks. And then you have someone else getting involved, going, oh, no, you guys are all morons. It's, you know, there's nothing in the data right now. We should open on June 21st. And you have this constant, constant, like, conveyor belt of opinions from people who sometimes they have their, their actual government-based scientists who have maybe some influence over Boris Johnson. And then there's other people who just share their opinion on the media who have no influence. They're just sharing their opinion of what Boris Johnson should do. And you have this constant hype. Oh my God, have you seen it? One of the things that annoys me most is we, we're no longer talking about case numbers now. We're not, oh no, oh my God, have you seen it? Oh, the Indian variant, it's up 60%, you know. Well, what are the numbers? Well, they're nothing compared to what they were in January, but no, 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 we can't say that. No, 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 be afraid. They're up 60%. They're up 60% on last week. Oh my God, and then another day comes, they're up 71%. Oh my God, be afraid. We're not talking about debts, because debts all of a sudden is gone. It's like single figures. They haven't had this run of days consistently on debts, which used to be the big thing. Used to be the big things like hopefully, thank God, very few people are dying. But this is we're no longer talking about debts been down. Oh, no, no, that's see, if I tell you debts are down, you can't be afraid, but you have to be afraid. And then you have this constant regurgitation. Should Boris Johnson open? Should he not? Who's an idiot? Who's a moron? And it's constant. It's on Daily Mail. It's on The Independent. It's on The Guardian. It's on BBC. It's on ITV. It's constant. And everyone has their own opinion. There is no escaping it. And the constant fear and messaging from these people. Of course, people are going to be freaked out. If all of a sudden, if you look at the narrative, and it's the exact same in the US, by the way, where, you know, I, I see my, my favorite scientist, the, the man of the hour, Anthony Fauci, who's just so wonderful. Oh, all these attacks on me are, are not attacks on me, they're attacks on science, and I won't stand for it. But you've seen it, the constant shifting of the goalposts. 
Oh, we got to wear a mask. No, we shouldn't wear a mask. Masks don't do anything. Oh, no, we got to wear a mask. No, we got to wear two masks. No, we got to wear three masks. Oh, we got to keep two meters apart. No, nah, that's wrong. It's 1.5 meters apart. Oh, no, that's wrong. It's one meter apart. Oh, no, what we need is we need plexiglass screens. See how this changes? The UK is the exact same. The, the propaganda from the government and from all the agencies last year was, we got to save the NHS. We cannot overburden our system. Well, guess what? You're not doing that. Then it went to debts. Then it went to cases. All the criteria keeps changing. And all this keeps doing is drawing up media and media attention and media hype. Because guarantee what you will have is one person will say something and then they will go, oh, you know what? I, I don't like the way he said that. That's completely wrong. That, those numbers are wrong. I have to get on the air and tell them they're wrong. And then someone has to tell me I'm wrong. And it's just a constant cycle, a barrage of media hype. And what is the end result? All of these hype, all of this talk, all of these articles, all of these social media posts mean absolutely nothing. The common sense approach here was, huh, look, I, I'm not a lockdown guy, but let's say there is a case for lockdowns. Let's decide that on June 14th. Right? Let's make the case then. And let's wait to see what Boris Johnson does on June 14th. And then we can decide if he's right and he lays out the case. And we go, oh, well, Boris Johnson was right to do that. You know, it's okay. He's delayed it two weeks. I'm not happy about it, but it's two weeks. Or if he, you know, he opens up and you kind of go, no, I think that was wrong. You know, whatever reason you want to use. Let's make that case on June 14th. Why doesn't that happen? Why does that not happen? Media? need something to talk about, and politicians and scientists, and I use that word very loosely, and doctors, need and love the adoration. They love being on media. Oh, you know, you get the, you get the buzz. Oh, you know, you get, especially you have it in America, you know, where you'll see this, you know, Giuliani did it a lot when he was under Trump. Fauci does it all the time now where, you know, I got to do the Sunday show lineup. I got to spend, you know, 10 minutes with George Stephanopoulos and then I got to go over to, was it Jonathan Carl and ABC and then I don't know whoever it is. I got to do the rounds, man. I, I got to, I got to, I got to have that attention. You got to love me. That's what happens. And then you have all these other media, you know, the, 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 the social media, the, 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 the articles all written on what they say. If you take all that away, what is there to talk about? But also, most importantly, you have to understand the philosophy of these people. Like we spoke about with AOC, government is the king. Government is God. Everything you do when you believe in government, when you believe in, even if you're one of those people who believes in freedom, you know, the right-wing people on America, in, not America, in Europe, in Ireland, even the right-wing people believe in government. It's all about empowering it, all about doing things the right way. It must be done right. How do we do that? You see, because to these people, government is always the solution. We need to understand this philosophy. And anything we can do, if I can get you scared out of your brain, oh, oh my God, cases are up 40%. Oh my God, they're up 50%. Oh my God, don't leave your house, put on your mask, don't say anything, anyone, don't live your life. And government gets more power, job done. That is what these people want. 
America is, whether you like it or not, whether you love America or hate America, the reason you're exceptional was because you promoted that you haven't always followed this. And a lot of times you have ignored this principles on both sides of the aisle. This understanding of government being limited, where you only have certain powers, where Congress in Article 1, Section 8 has 18 clauses of power, where the presidency has no power. Where the less of the power belongs to the states in a political fashion, but even America is not described in that sense. Because the real power does not belong with government in America, it belongs with the individual, because the individual is sovereign. I've used this story as an English example. Look at what you see around, and look at all the stuff that you see. Next time you're looking at whatever your CNN or Fox News or The Blaze or whatever network it is, ask yourself, is this bluff and just trying to rile me up or get me scared or empower government? Or is this something that really needs to be spoken about? So far, I've given you something to think about this weekend. But I'm going to take the show now for the rest of the show, talking to you about something else, two different stories. You know, there's been a common theme over the shows over the last two, three, four weeks where I've kind of talked about, you know, America and trying to motivate you, saying it's not over, it's finished. And you guys have given me some interesting feedback. Some of you have really liked it. and But I've gotten a couple of questions. And I want to address one of those right now. Where, where does this belief come from? Where does my hope come from? Why do I have so much faith? And one of the lines, and I never get annoyed at people saying this, but it really annoys me as a line. You know, John, look, I, I love your passion for America. I really do. But, you know, it's time you face facts. You know, I, I don't want to say this as an American, but, you know, if you look through the history and you talk about history every show or in some parts, every show, you know, no empire has ever lived or survived more than 200 years. And that really frustrates me. One, because usually the word is empire or, you know, colony or different things. And empire is always a word that... I don't think of America because when you have the power structure that you have in the individual, it's very hard to have an empire. It's very hard to, when the, the, the whole country is about the individual, not government, to be very hard to have a government that's really forceful and empower, you know, be dominate other countries and other cultures. But this thing of we only survive 200 years. So I want to share where my hope comes from. Where my belief comes from. It comes from my Christianity. You see, one of the things that you have to understand about Christianity, the powers of it, is it has this incredible power, and it's a story I love all the time when I read about them, of redemption. Where we know, I'm sure many of you love these type of stories as well, where you'll have a person who maybe had all the potential in the world to change the world or to be successful in their field and, you know, buggers it up, becomes an alcoholic, becomes a drunk, cheats on his wife or on his husband, you know, backstabs people and loses everything, goes to the gutter and then picks himself or herself right back up 
and gets back in the race and then, you know, achieves success. You know, we all have those stories. We all have to face adversity. I love that redemptive quality. I love the redemptive quality where, you know, you can live a really bad life, you know, because you haven't got God in your life, you haven't got Jesus in your life, and you make a lot of bad decisions, treat people not the best, but something happens to you and you find faith, and then you can travel this journey of, you know, and I'm going to make things right with people. I think that's really powerful. I think it's a powerful story. And the reason that I think it's powerful is because if you have a chance at redemption, no matter how bad things are, no matter if you live, you know, there's a, there's a philosophical question a lot of people talk about in Christianity is, if you can imagine, you know, a 90-year-old man or woman, and as a complete and utter dirtbag, you know, has hit his wife, has cheated on his wife, you know, is known in the place where, you know, if he could screw his grandmother to get like $5, he'd do it. And all of a sudden gets diagnosed with terminal cancer and, you know, goes and repents, even though he knows he's got like a month to live. Can he find the redemption in Christ? Can he, you know, be saved? Can he reach paradise? Can he get to heaven? Now, I don't have the answer to this. Only God is, has the answer to that since he is the judge, not me, you, or anyone else. But there's this hope in there that, yeah, you can. It's never too late. If you pay for your sins and for your crimes and where you get a chance to make up, you can't turn things around. There is never a point in time, unless you're dead, that you can't change things. That is hope. That is redemption. And I think it's something that is very powerful and should be held on to. Then let's talk about America. Can America be turned around? Yes. Look, I'm not gonna, I don't BS anyone. I'm not the, the kumbaya guy who goes, oh, everything's going to be fine. It's all good. It's all good. Everything's brilliant. No, no, you know, don't be distracted. You know, don't look at Joe Biden. Don't be scared by his policies. Everything's fine. Don't worry. That ain't me. I've been realistic with you. I've always been realistic. I've always been honest with you. My integrity means a lot to me. Yes, things are going to get really bad. And the chances are they're going to get worse. But that doesn't mean they always have to be that way. There is redemption possible. There is a chance to turn things around. Now, for those who don't like talking about God, or maybe you're not a believer, you, you know, you don't listen to, because Christianity is kind of, tarnished itself with the way it's acted over the last 10 years and 20 years and 30 years, the way it's what it's done to, you know, young boys and different religions, what, it, you know, we have all these, especially in America, you have all these pastors who are like, you know what, I need a $60 million jet. You know, the Christianity has a lot of issues to deal with. So if you're listening and you don't like that, let me give you another example. In motivation or in, you know, when people who want to do things, there's a very common philosophy. And it's the, the storm the island philosophy. And one of the things they talk about in this philosophy, it's go Google it on YouTube if you want, is where if you want to storm the island, if you're like, you know, think of whatever your goal is. You know, I want to be rich. I want to have my own company. I want to, you know, have this brand. I want to have this show, whatever it is. I want to do a speaking tour, whatever it is, that's the island. And you've got to storm it. And you think of yourself as a four-star general. What do you have to do to get to the islands, to get to your dream. Well, one of the things about this philosophy is they always encourage you, the first thing you need to do is you got to burn your boats. 
The reason being you have to burn your boats is because if you have to storm the island and win, there can be no step back clause. There can be no second store. You got to burn the boats because it, you have to achieve your goal because whatever your goal is, it's life or debt. Excuse me. A lot of people, if you read this philosophy or listen to this philosophy, there's a lot of videos on YouTube about it where if you don't burn the boats, what you're doing is I got to storm the island. I got to make this my goal. I got to make this my target. I got to do this, but I always got to get a jail free card. You know, I, I really want to do it. I'm going to give 110%. You don't really. But you know what? If things go really wrong, I still got my get-out-jail card. I got the boats and go back to my side of the river. And they talk about this. Burn the boats. The other side of that is, I would ask you to think about someone who has overcome major adversity. You know, what? the easiest one to think about is because most people know someone or know of someone who ha has become an alcoholic or has had substance abuse problems. Sadly, that's the situation we live in. You're not too far away from someone who has had that type of problem. Now, if you go look at the common theme with those people, the sad thing about those people is, you know, when you if you've ever been around, if you've never been around it, they, there's always warning signs. Hey, you're drinking too much. Hey, you're doing too much drugs, whatever it is. And you got, hey, man, I, I need you to get help. You're, you're killing yourself. The sad thing about a lot of those people, and if not the vast majority, is that all of those people will tell you they have to hit rock bottom to get overcome their obstacles. They have to hit rock bottom to all of a sudden go, you know what? I, I just can't do this anymore. They never stop halfway down or quarter the way down or even three quarters of the way down. They have to hit rock bottom to go, man, I need some help. I got to go to rehab. You know, I got to admit I'm an alcoholic because if I don't do this, I'm dead. They have to hit rock bottom. Well, here's the truth about America today. And this should give you some hope. On the first analogy, the, the storming the island thing, your boats are not burned. You have not burned your boats. The left have bombed them. And they are now sitting at the bottom of the Pacific or the Atlantic or whatever ocean your, your island is in. But secondly, you have to hit rock bottom. And I don't think from a positive point of view of what is coming, I don't think you're far from that. The question is, will you still believe when you hit rock bottom to turn things around? Because if you understand hope, if you understand redemption, whether you're Christian or not, you have that hope that, yes, things suck today. And yes, they may suck tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after. And it may suck for the next year. But there is going to come a point in time where things will suck less. And then you start building on it. It'll suck a little less the next day and a little less the next day and a little less the next day. And then all of a sudden, you know what? Today's a good day. It doesn't suck. And you start turning things around. You have that possibility inside of you. You have that redemptive quality. Because here's the thing. All these people who tell me that 200 years, oh, no country, country or great civilization or great empire has survived more than 200 years. You're ignoring redemption. Especially you're ignoring God in some ways because I believe in the divine covenant. A covenant, you're a covenant nation. I believe that. But also one step further. The reason that it annoys me is because there are other nations I would say probably should think this or could think this. 
I don't think it's healthy. I would say the similar thing of, you know, the redemptive quality and the hope for the future. But America should never say this. And the reason you should never say that is because of your history. Read your history. No one in America should ever say this is not possible. Oh, we've had a good run. It's over. Really? Read your history. We're doing a special in a couple of weeks for Independence Day. Got a really good guest. I'm really looking forward to sharing with you where we're going to do a deep dive into the Declaration of Independence. But read your Declaration of Independence. Read the history of how that document, what it took for that document to be formed. For them, all the people there to agree with. You don't think that was a miracle? Read any story about your Revolutionary War. It isn't pretty. You know, all this, you know, it, you know, this modern day world where history has to be taught through 280 characters on Twitter or, you know, a fancy meme or, you know, picture on Instagram. You know what the picture of the Revolutionary War would be? You getting your asses kicked time and time again. And then you retreating and then regrouping. But here's the thing. Just because you got your ass kicked. Just because you had to lose a battle. Just because you had to retreat and give up some ground that you had gained. You know what? That doesn't mean the war is over. That just meant, no, we have to regroup and rethink things. And we will press on. But read any story of the Revolutionary War. It's not very pretty until the end. At many times during that time, there were men. And this is proof and historical proof that they thought this. Because when it came, their six months and listen came, a lot of them wanted to go home. If they were having a grand old time and they were loving every minute of it, they wouldn't have wanted to go home after the six months and listen. But they did. Why? Because it wasn't pretty. They were getting their asses handed to them, but they still believed. Thomas Paine wrote those powerful words in the Sunshine Patriot and the Winter Soldier. That is what we have to understand. We have, because your founders knew of that redemptive of quality, of that hope that if you fight for the right things, you can change things. Oh, but that's the revolution, John. That's 200 years ago. Okay, go through any aspects of things. Do you want me to talk to you about the War of 1812? Where, oh, well, you could have got lucky against British. You know, you got really lucky. You're outgunned, outmanned, outskilled, outfed. You know, you had better equipment on the English side. They all had, you know, rum and ale and food, and you didn't. You got lucky in, you know, in, in 1776. Well, in 1812, you didn't get lucky, did you? Oh, well, what about the Civil War? Surely to God, you know, a country that's divided, that has a civil war where family are pitted against family. You could never see the end of that. The hatred will never die. Redemptive quality. Hope. Oh, well, you know what? We'll never get past, you know, segregation by Woodrow Wilson. Yes, you will. Martin Luther King. You'll never get past World War II. Yes, you will. The American soldier. Well, we'll never get past Nazi Germany, or not Nazi Germany, yeah, the Soviet Union. Oh, mutually deserved destruction. It's a guaranteed loss. We'll never get that. Yes, you will. Ronald Reagan, your American people, Margaret Thatcher, John Paul, Mr. President, tear down this wall. You want me to keep going? 
But maybe these are all historic examples. And people say to me, oh, well, this America is different, John. I love your history of America. But, John, the America of 2021 is just a different set of people. Really? When did this become true? When did this become factually a different set of people? Have they no redemptive qualities? They may be wrong and misguided now, but have they no redemption? Is there no chance of redemption that they may find the error of their ways? It's this battle all of a sudden that is the one that can't be overcome. But look at your life. Look at the world we live in. Despite all the bullcrap, and there is a lot of bullcrap, life in 2021, with the exception of lockdowns, life is better than it's ever been before. Look at all the things you can do. Why did that happen? Redemptive quality, hope for the future, fighting for a better tomorrow, burning the boats. Look, at the end of the day, I'm going to be blunt with you when I say this. I firmly believe America's best days can still be ahead of her if we work hard enough. If we all of a sudden take a step back, get rid of the tribal stuff, get rid of the politics stuff. Yes, that plays a role, not denying it. But we fundamentally start talking to people again and we start having conversations, not based around politics, not based around Donald Trump, not based around Joe Biden, but around fundamental principles of the role of the American government, why you're different. And you start making these cases and you start having these discussions and you start having a movement. My God, your future is bright. But it will take work, it will take effort, it will take sacrifice, it will take some of you losing everything you have. But ultimately, all that counts to squat. If in your heart and your mind you have given up and you believe the line, that's over. We, we can't. We, you know, this America is different. It's 2021, the left. You know, it's every country, you know, has only ever lived 200 years. Any line you want. If you believe it, we are done. Because in life, there's only two guaranteed outcomes. Sorry, one guaranteed outcome. And that guaranteed outcome is you quit. You guarantee the loss. Or you can stand and you can fight, which is what your country has always done. And I keep saying this because it's true. You know this if you love your movies around and you like movies from Hollywood. Uh, your country has always loved the comeback story. What better comeback story than the revitalization of America? By the way, you want proof this is right? Look at what Joe Biden is saying over the last couple of weeks. Oh, build back better, blah, 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 blah. Well, listen to the tone of it. We're going to build a better future. He's building into that redemptive hope. It's a bullshit BS what he's spreading with the government stuff, but he's tying into that message. Why would he do that? Because he understands the psyche of the American people or people around him understand the psyche, which is more apt. How about we start doing it? How about we start believing in the redemptive quality of that? It is never, ever too late to turn things around. Will it be easy? No. Will it be fun? No. Will it be painful? Probably. But you know what? Imagine us turning things around and giving America being that beacon of hope and light again in the world. Imagine the world becoming freer again and then handing that off to the future generations. And let them screw it up.
finish up today's show by talking to you about a couple of quick stories and linking them all together. And it's kind of the common theme of what we've talked about all for the rest of the show. But this is especially mostly aimed at my friends on the left. Redemption. Do people have a chance at redemption? Is it possible for anyone to make a mistake in the past and find redemption? Or are we automatically, if you are not woke, if you don't say things that are woke at all times, even if the time is 10 years ago, well, it doesn't matter. You should, you know, you should die on your sword. You should be hung from the, the local yard arm because you're just a despicable person. How could you even think such a thing? You know, this cancel culture and this constant need to destroy people is horrible. And it is a horrible principle that everyone should be able to unite behind in a common sense world. Because guess what? First off, we are all fallible. We are all sinners. We are all not perfect. We all say stupid stuff all the time. You know, I don't know anyone who I have ever met that said, you know, what? I've always said the right thing. If you say that, you're saying the wrong thing right there because you're really an arrogant SOB, but also delusional. This understanding of, hey, I'm perfect at all times. Look at me. How awesome am I? Free speech is an incredible thing. I will always defend free speech, even stuff that I'm like, ooh, I wouldn't say that. Ooh, I don't know if you, you know, you probably should say that, but you shouldn't be cancelled over it. You know, there's, you know, I love, you know, people who say, well, do you defend people who've been a jerk? No. There's times where I'm like, ooh, I wouldn't say that, but should you be destroyed for saying it? No. Maybe, you know, we shouldn't be friends or you shouldn't hang around with those people, but, you know, people have a right to free speech. Or maybe you want to pull that person aside and go, hey, look, you know, you said these things are they weren't really the smartest things or, you know, they're a bit offensive and here's why. You can, you know, learn from it. Or you can tell that person to go pound sound because, hey, you know, I'll, I'll be offensive or I want to be offensive. Because, hey, free speech, baby. That's the way the world works. But one of the things they're doing is these woke people. Oh, we got to cancel everyone. And I want to share a couple of stories with you. First off, General piece of advice, and I say this as someone in the public eye, don't be offended by everything. If you go around looking at everybody and everything and every situation going, hmm, how can I be offended? Guess what? Guarantee you're going to be offended somehow, especially with social media. You know, I guarantee if I, if I just stopped now and went onto Twitter or Facebook and I said, you know what? I want to be offended. You know, what can I see? It would not take me long. I guarantee you it would take me less than 15 seconds to be offended. Why? Because there's lots of offensive stuff out there. There's lots of stupid stuff out there, especially on social media. But some stories for you. The English cricket team. Yeah, 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 I don't care about the English cricket team. It's a boring game. Got it. Well, here's the thing. We're destroying lives for no reason. There is a young cricketer who played for England this week, or last week, sorry. First time playing for England. Imagine, forget the, forget your opinions on England. Forget your opinions on the sport. We, you know, because a lot of people, I'm guessing, listening, will be like, "I don't care about cricket. That's, that's a, you know, it's a jolly old game, old chap." Got it. But imagine going. You know what? I'm working hard. I'm going to the gym. I'm eating right. I play for my club, and I want to represent my country one day. 
you know, we all, if you've, if you've ever played sports, even though, no matter how unrealistic it was, you always have that dream of, oh, it'd be great. And especially in cricket, because cricket has this unique tradition where on your debut, you get a cap. And it's your cap, and it has a number on it. And it's like, forever, this will be your number. It's the number, you know, because you're like 621. There's 620 other players who represented England. You're the 621st player. It's a really cool tradition. And you get, there's a ceremony, here's your baseball cap. And it's really good. And I, I really like that bit, baseball, or bit cricket. But imagine your visions of that. Hey, I'm going to represent my country and I got to, you know, you know, be in front of people. And especially uh, it's happened last week. So it was one of the first times crowds have been at a cricket match in like 18 months. And you got to experience that. And you got you to get to kiss the tree lines on your badge. And you're like all excited. And halfway through the match, people went through your Twitter feed from eight years ago. Eight years ago. Remember when Barack Obama was president? Remember eight years ago. He had just beaten Mitt Romney. That shows you how far ago we're talking about. And he made some stupid statements. You know, look, he made some jokes. One of them was, I think, uh, I, made a, I made a new Islamic friend. He was the bomb. LOL, I think it was. Look, I can see why people would say, you know what, that's maybe not the smartest thing to say. But especially in social media, it's not the smartest thing to say to, you know, to a general audience. But is it the worst thing I've heard? I've heard much worse stuff. I've heard a lot of worse stuff in the last five minutes than I've heard in that. But anyway, he's got banned. Imagine getting banned from cricket for something you said eight years ago, even if it was horrific. At what point do you have redemption? Is this, is this a positive step for society? Because bearing in mind, you know, let me, let me break this down for my friends in the left going, yeah, good, damn. Well, that person has a birthing mother. How do you think she, oh, I can't say she's going to feel, sorry, I, I got to get my pronouns right. How do you think they, or how they identify, are going to feel seeing their, um, what's the, I'm trying to think of the politically correct word for a son, but you know, maybe, um, I can't say boy, I can't say, you know, this is the minefield we live in. But how do you think she's going to feel? Oh, there again, I, I gender her. Oh my God. But how do you think they're going to feel? How do you think their father's going to feel? Their birthing father? Her son, father, boy, I have no idea. I've lost track of what the words are. How do you think they're going to feel? Do you think they're going to be happy about How about if you had a girlfriend, boyfriend? How do you think about if they had kids? How do you think this is going to feel? Can you not relate to them on some level? That something you go, you said eight years ago, has been now held against you. But that isn't the worst thing. Because we go further back from this. Because the, I don't know if you all watched at The Office. The Office is a really good series. It was unbiased. The English version was better with Ricky Gervais. But, you know, Steve Carell did a good job. The Office is very good. But one of the stars in that, Ellie Kemper. Well, she had to apologize this week. And, you know, she had to go groveling. I'm so sorry. I should have known better. <laughs> what was her crime? Well, about 20 years ago, apparently, she went to uh, a debutant ball, which had clearly sexist and racist undertones or an undertone history. Really? This is what we're apologizing for now. What you did 20 years ago. At what point in time do you think a kid or a teenager or a young adult makes good decisions? Actually, I'd ask that, at what point do you reach full wokeness? Like, at what point? Like, considering, and I ask this in all, you know, with all seriousness. 
considering that now Barack Obama, who people like me could not stand, not because he was black, not because of who he was, not because of anything, but because of his policies. He was a horrifically bad president. Considering he is not woke enough, at what point do you reach full wokeness? At what point do we just go, you know what, look, people maybe did dumb stuff, but redemption, you know, we can be forgiven. Or do we all have to give a groveling apology? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I should have known, but really, you're 18, 19, 20, 13, 15. You should have known better. I don't know any 13 teenager, young adults. Heck, there's 30-year-olds I don't know that make good decisions all the time. We all do stupid stuff. But also, this idea of jokes. So the other story, going back to the, to the cricket story. So what this did was, this young kid has got banned, and I don't know whether he's ever going to play again. I feel sorry for him. But because woke people decided, you know what, well, we got him. This is why you never, ever say sorry to the mob. This is a prime example because they got that kid. Wow, we got him suspended. Victory. That wasn't victory. Oh, we got to get someone else. So they started scrolling through every cricketer and their Twitter feed and everything they have said. And now there's about six players under investigation. And one of them is for a bad joke because apparently it's, uh, uh, oh, it's against gay people. The joke was he, he tweeted at 1 a.m. in the morning. It's, you know, he's a bowler. And his, you know, imagine his, you know, his, uh, the other bowler. Because they bowl in twos. They bowl in tandem. And there's a lot of strategy to cricket. I won't bore you with the details. But he tweeted one morning at, at 1 a.m. Obviously he had a few drinks in him. I just saw so-and-so's haircut. Looks like a young 15-year-old lesbian. Right? Now, again, should you be saying these things on Twitter, especially if you're a public person? I would generally say you should be very careful what you say if you're a public person because of said cases. But is that the most horrific thing? Is that the most egregious thing? That's clearly a joke between two people. It's we all do it if we're friendly with people. You know, we, when you're friends with people, you make things, you make up jokes. I know I'm very guilty of this. I, you know, I have conversations with people. I have a really dark and weird sense of humor. I joke about everything. I wouldn't say these publicly because it's just not my style. But like, there are people I feel comfortable I joke with. We joke about crazy stuff, right? That's just the way it is. It's the way I was brought up. Now, can we be offended by everything? But what made this so bad is he's under investigation for a joke, which is clearly a joke, which his, the other person wasn't offended by, which at the time no one was offended by. But eight years later, all of a sudden, oh, my God, it's horrible. He should never play for England again. Really? Really? This is what we're going with. Last story. Again, going back to America. Because this is everywhere. This wokeness crap is everywhere. And then sometimes it's worse in your country. There's a wrestling star, a WWE star. And she's of mixed heritage and mixed race. And she had the audacity to wear a t-shirt. And what it was a t-shirt of was... Uh, I think it was of two big pandas, black and white pandas, and a small panda. And what it was was end racism, get, I think it was like, basically, I can't remember, it was a fancy slogan, but the, the theme of the t-shirt was end racism, you know, if we had 
black people with white people and vice versa, it would, you know, you'd have more interraced babies, you'd have more respect for each other's cultures, and racism would fizzle out eventually. That's the common theme of it. Sound message, right? No, not a sound message. No, what that is calling for is the destruction of the black family. Because what you want to do in all your white people and all your different cultures is you want to breed out every culture that's existed. We want to get rid of the white culture. That's bad. We should not have that. But what we want to do is all mixed cultures. There will never be a pure black person or a pure white person or a pure Hispanic or a pure Asian. That's wrong. That's calling for the destruction of their families. That is wrong. That is evil. Really? I love this criteria, how my friends on the left always change. Where... You know, if someone like me points out to, you know, a moderate, hey, y'all are a bit crazy with Bernie Sanders and AOC and the squad, right? Oh, that's only a few people. That's only a few bad actors. We're not like them. Or if I say about Black Lives Matter, oh, oh my God, I went there. Yeah, I did. Oh, Black Lives Matter. You know, you do a lot of damage to people. You know, look at all the insurance estimates. What's $2 billion worth, dollars, um, $2 billion worth of damage last year? No, that's not Black Lives Matter. That's just a few bad actors. Okay, I can maybe accept that. It's factually accurate. When we get to, you know, let's all end racism by having more interracial couples. Oh, no, you see, what you're calling for is 100% of people. Everyone is going to have an interracial couple. No, that's not the way it works. You fall in love with how you fall in love with people. Some black people will fall in love with black people. Some black people will fall in love with Asian people. Some black people will fall in love with white people. Some black people will fall in love with Hispanic people. It's the way it works. Why? Because you're not judging people on the race. You're judging people on the content of the character and who you want to spend the rest of your life with. This is logical. This is common sense, right? Am I saying anything that's controversial? Yet, today, that is controversial. So my question to anyone on the left listening is, where's the end point? At what point does this end? What is your ideal outcome? Anything? Here's the thing, and I'll finish up with this. This is the left. Climate change, big government, big budgets, big deficits, wokeness crap. If you're on the right right now, it's very easy to laugh. The right have a positive future. And when I say the right, I mean, if you believe in freedom, you have a bright future. If you start working hard enough, like I spoke about in the last segment. But if you don't get complacent, because these people are wearing out their wealth. The tide is already starting to turn on them. The tide is already starting to turn on Joe Biden. You have elections in 18 months. What do you want them to be? If you want it to just be, well, you know, we're just going to put our faith in the Republican Party and, you know, we're going to put our faith in Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy to, to regain control of the House and the Senate and that would be all right. And then we'll wait till 2024 and, and we'll get Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or Donald Jr. Trump or Ivanka Trump or ever who the nominee is. And that's your solution. Really, you're on to a loser. That won't work. Now is the time to start making the case for freedom. Because you have, if you believe in real freedom, you actually have a polar opposite debate. 
You actually have, hey, this is why we're against this. This is why we're against the Green New Deal. This is why we're against the wokeness crap. This is why we're against big government. And give the people a choice. And if you do it in humble terms, you win because you have the winning message, especially in America. Your future can be bright, but you have to take everything you know and just put it aside and ask yourself, is it right? Is it gaining anything? Is it playing into the bigger picture? Is it helping me storm the island? Or is it just going the constant cycle of, I'm going to demean, I'm going to destroy, I'm going to take them out? What choice is yours? I hope you choose carefully. But all for my part, I will be making the case as much as I can. Because now we need America. We need the idea of America. We need America to be the shining city on a hill. Because governments have so much power now, it's frightening. And it must stop. It must end. We must reestablish the covenant of freedom. We must establish the covenant of leaving people alone. And dare I say it, we need to reestablish what you had in your currency at the start of your family. Mind your business. I hope today's show is giving you lots to think about. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, we finish up by saluting you, the American people. America is great because Americans are good. America is great until Americans are good. Have a beautiful and blessed week. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.